Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Keeping score all things volleyball this week. Last week we did all things golf. Next week, all things tennis. So you can call them niche sports, but internationally they drive the deal. And the Beach Volleyball Championship is no different. It's an international event that's the first one was in the United States. Then it goes to uh, Gestad and it goes to uh, Vienna. And then it goes to the World Finals in Hamburg in August. We have the benefit of somebody, Phil Dalhauser, who won this one in Fort Lauderdale. But he's also the U.S. gold medal champion years ago. Dan, what do you know about volleyball? Um, I know, I think, that... Um, there's probably not a lot of organic beach volleyball being played in Vienna. I, 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 Very well I, done. I think that, you know, yeah. you know look, this, I'm just I'm being, being a little sarcastic, but um, the fact, you know, what, what you didn't say in that was that um, for the competing volleyball tour, there's an Amazon uh, Prime streaming video deal um, that Red Bull is behind this particular tour that you're talking about. It has, and when, where Red Bull is, um, traction usually follows, um, and the Red Bull is very good at motivating cult audiences um, and niche audiences, and I think that's kind of a real interesting point to all this, and, you know, making a place like Vienna, and I joke, but, you know, Vienna probably has serious beach volleyball envy. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a unique happening, right, in Vienna. It's a unique happening in Hamburg, um, not so much in, in Fort Lauderdale, but it shows that there's a global appeal to the sport, and there certainly is. If you watch the Olympics, you see countries that compete, and you see it's, a, it's one of the more fun sports to watch. So I buy the international hook to this, and I think it's just a matter of consistency and sponsorship. And I think if they can keep Red Bull involved and they can grow this the way Red Bull tends to grow its events, I think, I think there's a really interesting economic dynamic building around this. Well, the proper scene set is to introduce Dan Calaruso as our worldwide global editor for Reuters and also to tell you that there's an amazing international perspective to this. It's not just that Red Bull started it, but it comes out of the AVP tour in the U.S. basically going bankrupt. And the beach volleyball, through some Olympic ideas, was a big viewership success for NBC and otherwise. The beach volleyball, both the men's and clearly the women's side, we'll get to that after the interview, but Red Bull decided not only are we going to resurrect it, but let's do it in an iconic location. Let's pick the first one of these being Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale Beach. The event's been going on for a number of years, but first time uh, it's really been part of the major series. And the major series to be in Vienna, and again, you point out how romantic it could be in Vienna, but the fact that Red Bull is an Austrian company, that makes all the difference in the world. And then Gestatt in Switzerland and then ending in Hamburg, it is a major, major event. And so this is now taking the AVP bankrupt tour and giving it new life in the U.S., so, Dan, your perspective on it, I know you, you, you know, follow it as a business, but uh, you know, coming back from the heels of bankruptcy uh, into a major tentpole of a national, international event that's growing big time, success story for volleyball in the U.S. sounds like, right? Well, it sounds like a success story in the making. Let's not call it a success story yet, but the idea that you can isolate 
and and attack a certain audience via new platforms these days makes it a lot more efficient of a sport to kind of build around, right? Like, you know where your audiences are now. You can get to them. They may, may not be the huge scale you dreamed of in the 70s or the 80s, but right now, they're a way to target and really get that super level of engagement. And engagement is the name of the game right now in, in a lot of ways. The scale is limited to a select few. Um, but engagement is where the rest of us have to go. And I think that's what this tour might be able to you know, leveraging Red Bull's expertise in marketing and promoting these niche sports and really getting this high-level engagement from a loyal audience is what you exploit in this situation. Well, as they say from the story that appeared all over the world, uh, the uh, U.S. probably best volleyball uh, player uh, that we have to offer today, Phil Dauhauser, who won an Olympic gold in Beijing in 2008, wins the gold along with Nick Lucina in the, quote, jam-packed 5,000-seat Red Bull Arena um, in, uh, in Fort Lauderdale. So bottom line is this is a major event. We had the opportunity to speak with Phil the day that he won the event. Let's hear what he has to say about volleyball in the U.S. and volleyball around the world. We're talking volleyball today on the heels of the series that's gone national, international, developing beach volleyball to a level that we haven't seen in a while. We'll talk about the comeback of the sport. Certainly doesn't hurt if we have a world-class Olympic gold medalist on with us. Phil Dalhauser, along with Todd Rogers, won the 2007 AVP, or the gold in 2008, and he's AVP Tour champion, FIBA, FIVB world champ. A host of things, your business guy as well. How are you doing, Phil? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, how are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Well, excellent. And so, obviously, you're excited about the existing tour. Before we talk about your business and your gold medal acumen, talk a little bit about the tour that you're involved with today. I know it's coming to Fort Lauderdale uh, Beach over this next weekend, and it's a season-long series. But give us kind of a snapshot about what the tour is all about. Okay, so um, this weekend we're in Fort Lauderdale, and it's, um, it's part of the FIVB tour, which is the international tour. And um, there's like a little like uh, series in the um, uh, the FIVB called the Beach Major Series, which runs all the biggest tournaments in the world. It's kind of like uh, Grand Slams in tennis. They they just run the biggest turn uh, tournaments. So uh, it's the first one of the year, and all the best teams uh, in the world are here. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, plan is to walk out of here with a gold medal. Yeah, you and everybody else, which makes the competition pretty exciting, I think, probably. So volleyball crescendo always during the Summer Olympics, um, 08, 12, 16. You won it in 08, obviously, contended elsewhere. Has the sport grown from a business perspective since your first gold in 08? And if so, how? Um, actually, I think it's... Uh it's growing. Um, in 08, it was, uh, we had a strong domestic tour called the ABP, uh, which went bankrupt in, a couple years later in 2010. Um, and we, we had options to play almost every weekend uh, internationally. Uh, but now, uh, well, last year we played, I don't know, maybe thir 12, 13 tournaments, which is the least uh, we've played in um, maybe in my whole career. Um, 
And this year we're, we're getting more uh, opportunities to play uh, starting early, uh, like I said, uh, this weekend. But, um, yeah, I think it's growing, and a big reason is um, because of uh, the big uh, the Beach Major Series. You think the Beach Major Series, would you say, resurrected the sport after the problems with the AVP? What's your, what's your, uh, what's your sense? It's... Um, uh, the AVP is, is um, uh, on on the up and up, if you will, uh, as well. Um, they just signed um, a deal with Amazon to stream on Amazon Prime, uh, which is you know great great for the sport. But um, but as far as internationally, I think the Beach Major Series is kind of um, the only reason why. We have uh, a tour worth playing on, if you ask me. And, and you're at the kind of top level of the competition. Clearly, I'm sure there are some at the middle or lower levels and just getting in that want as many different tours as possible, kind of like the web.com is for golf and the, uh, the, the, you know, the orbital tournaments for tennis as well. Do we ever get back to that? Is it only something that grows before like two, 2020 in Tokyo or or 2016 in Rio, or are we at a point now where corporations are going to step up and sustain the stability of the larger tour again? Uh, man, uh, that's a tough question. You know, um, usually as we get closer to the Olympics, we'll see like uh, we'll see um, more tournaments pop up, and then after the Olympics, um, uh, there's usually a lull. Um, you would think it'd be uh, the opposite, you know, after coming off Olympics, a lot of people watch it on, on TV and stuff. You think it, you know, it would um, bring more tournaments um, to the tour, but usually it's the opposite. You're seeing LeBron, you're seeing LeBron James make 30 million a year. You're seeing the average baseball salary, even for the utility player in major league baseball, pushing 5 million. Uh, you're out there uh, kicking butt with your doubles partner for hours. As far as you and a televised sport, you're carrying a lot more than guys in a team sport are concerned. Do you ever get jealous of those guys or you're saying, I should be making that kind of coin? Uh, no, no. I mean, those sports are just way more popular, you know, more people watch and, um, um, you know, I can't complain. I do pretty good out here on the beach. And, you know, literally the beach is my office. So um, um, I, a lot of people would jump into my spot if I, um, if I were to uh, retire or, or move on. So, uh, like I said, I'm very fortunate and um, I love it out here. Well, your life's pretty good and I guess you have some perspective. From Switzerland to Brooklyn to Ventura uh, via Daytona, uh, so, you know, you've been able to see the world and obviously you can see volleyball grow from all of those perspectives. Is it becoming more of a North American sport in your mind, especially with the colleges involved or it's still just a California and Florida beach sport? Um, for, uh, for girls, it has become a national sport. Um, now there's beach volleyball clubs popping up all over the place, uh, in the Midwest, uh, up in the North. And um, uh, so it's not only, you know, uh, in California or in Florida um, where you would expect it to be. 
but uh, it's becoming um, indoor volleyball for girls, in my opinion, is now like Little League Baseball for boys. Like every single, almost every girl plays some sort of volleyball now, which is great. Yeah, and, and it's only getting better. And I go, it starts with the kids and certainly uh, goes to the colleges. You're a UCF guy. Um, you were obviously very influential in the, the college game. So do you think that the college game is, is getting the respect and the funding it deserves? Now it's a work in progress, I know, but is it moving in the right direction? Uh, it is. Uh, again, it, it's just for the girls. Uh, there's beach, uh, well, sand volleyball programs popping up all across the country. Um, you know, uh, it's not only, it's not just UCLA and USC and Stanford or whatever that have beach programs. It's uh, University of South Carolina, uh, Stetson University in Central Florida, uh, Florida State University. So I, it's just grown and grown. And uh, soon I got to think that uh, the majority of universities in this country will have uh, beach programs for, for girls. Phil Dalhauser, you know, one of the kings of the of the profession. Uh, when you talk to a lot of the guys and gals in comparable places, and I know this is flattering, but from your perspective, the the Cal Ripkins, the Michael Jordans, they all talk about how important it is to give back to their respective sport. Uh, you guys, Todd, others who made the sport what it is and was. How do you give back, and how do you deal with? Is it an obligation? Do you do it out of out of the the respect for the sport? What's your sense about the kind of generational legacy to all this? Yeah, as I get older, um, you know, I realize the importance of that, and uh, and my partner and I now uh, do clinics around the country um, to kind of help out with um, uh, teaching kids how, how to play and. Um, uh, the biggest thing for us is uh, we see all these programs for uh, for girls. We're trying to get boys into the sport because boys, they have so many options, you know, uh, football, baseball, basketball, uh, you know, whatever. The list is endless, golf, tennis. So we're, we're trying to get some boys out there and uh, out on the beach or out in the sand court in, you know, somewhere in Ohio. Um so we have a, a new uh, flock of talent, a new generation of talent to represent the U.S. The boys go out because the girls go out, but the bottom line is you got to get the boys to feel like it's cool, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, sometimes easier said than done, but with somebody like you, I'm sure it, it, it takes it to the next level. So just a couple more. You're a UCF guy. How do you feel about your Golden Knights going 13-0 and and winning the mythical national championship? They call it Alabama, but you guys really did it, right? <laughs> Listen, uh, <laughs> uh, all of Orlando is saying that, uh, you know, UCF won the uh, national champ, uh, championship. They have a pretty good argument. Uh, they beat Auburn, who beat the two teams that were in the national championship, and they went undefeated. Uh, if you ask me... You know, Alabama is the national champion, but uh, I think they got to. I think they got to maybe uh, move the playoff to eight teams or so, and then just get rid of the the throwaway games that 
uh, teams play, like, you know, like an Alabama will play uh, a small Division One school and win whatever, 85 to nothing, you know. What about yeah, you're- take those games off the schedule and then add a few in, into a playoff to give a, you know, a smaller school like UCF a chance? Uh, that's why that's why March Madness is so good is uh, you have Cinderella teams. And the bottom line is, listen, I live in Florida too. The governor had a proclamation, proclamation calling you guys the national champions. That's all anybody cares about, okay? Forget the college football playoff. That's all I'm saying. So final question for you, where are you going to be and where's the sport going to be in five years? Um, I'm 38 right now, so I will be retired. Hopefully I, uh, the, the traveling... Um, wears on me. I have two little kids, so being away um, kind of sucks. But I hope the sport is um, bigger and better in in five years. Um, um, you know, um, I I don't know. I I can't say confidently it will be, but uh, I can uh, cross my fingers and hope. Well, certainly the guys like you have a long legacy to make sure it is in the future. And the business metrics are lining up, but certainly your perspective and your involvement helps. So Phil Dalhauser gives us some unique perspective on things. He is a quintessential American volleyball player on the men's side. But, you know, give us your perspective. We were talking offline about women's volleyball in the U.S., beach volleyball, how exciting it is to watch the Brazilian teams, both men and women, uh, Kerry Walsh, Jennings, and others. Where do you think volleyball's going and gone in America? Well, it's interesting. I think, you know, he, Tony made a very good point about the idea that Midwest and up north, as he called it, um, for women especially, or for girls, um, uh, using that term age-wise, um, for, for young girls, it's, it's akin to Little League for boys, uh, indoor volleyball. And that's really interesting because, you know, you've seen the commercial success that soccer has had um, in the U.S. by, took a while, but, you know, planting the seeds in the youth game and then driving fandom either through video games, through international, showing higher quality international um, versions of the sport. You've seen how soccer has gotten to a, a critical mass here in the U.S. And I think volleyball may not get to that size critical mass. But it does give it a foundation and kind of a commercial ethos, right? Like you're not just doing it willy-nilly. You're not hoping for one or two big stars to drag you in and squeeze some money out of it and then go bankrupt. Um, It's not a beach spectacle. It's not mixed in with too much like PG-13 kind of um, uniforms. It is a real real foundational thing. And I, I think if you look at the physical problems that girls soccer players are having these days, whether it's concussions, whether it's... ACLs, um, you might see more of a volleyball thing develop for uh, around youth sports. So I think that's that's kind of an interesting hook. Um, and I, I love the fact that he said he's not jealous of LeBron James as well. Uh, you asked about that, and uh, I thought that was an interesting comment. He he said a lot of people would jump in his spot if he retired. So I think he appreciates kind of his stature in the game and sees that as a building block for for where the thing's going. And let's remember, too, that the perspective was, here's a guy who wins the gold medal in Beijing in 2008 and then comes back to the AVP and has to watch it go bankrupt kind of underfoot. So Mm. this is salvation for these guys. And when you think about it, 
they're not going to make the same mistake again because as we heard from the interview as well you got these college programs they call it sand volleyball it's part of a title nine experience these days you have a national championship on the men's and women's side and his point about cultivating kids through the college programs and then the amateur ranks is true as it is with every other sport don't you think yeah absolutely and look the 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 flip side to that is again i go back to loyalty and engagement you know, the kids are the ones who could find these clips on, on YouTube or um, who could be reached through Snapchat um, with highlights and without the benefit of the cost of producing a Super Bowl. Um, and Red Bull, again, knows how to do that very, very well. Um, so if you have this youth ethos developing and you have that loyal fan base, you can get to them with content from these professional leagues, get to them with content that they're interested in. You isolate them, and, and you can drive both advertising money around that, other types of sponsorship money. You have your audience, and you could find it. And that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest difference in any generation of, you know, we talk about these niche sports a lot, and we, you know, a lot of global sports that are becoming more popular in the U.S., I think that's the real opportunity in sports, the Big Five. Again, we've talked about this a lot on the show, but the Big Five almost priced out of their own game in terms of growth and outlets and, and distribution partners. So what's left? And I think these are the kind of sports that have a, have a nice little bit of upside uh, in the next five, six years. An incredible business model here at this event, too, in Lauderdale. So, again, it's one of four, so it's a big tentpole event. Their tourism right. boards at Broward County very excited about the economic impact of people coming in. The Latvian team played the Brazilian team in the semis, and the uh, uh, Dauhauser uh, and Lucina beat the Italian team. So there already are people from international audiences. And as you said earlier, these were international DJs who were brought in, and it felt like a made-for-TV international event on the sand of Fort Lauderdale, which was also kind of neat. Then the revenue model was... Everybody on the grandstand on the other side basically got in free. Scantily clad, but got in free. And on the VIP side, the food was second to none, facing the beach with a $300 a day entry fee, and the event is going to make some significant dollars with a model that isn't really anywhere close to what the U.S. deals do. So eye-opening, huh? That's really interesting. Uh, who do they, how do they prospect the VIPs? Do you know? Is it corporate? Uh, yeah, it's, well, it, it's corporate. They have their traditional PR people coming in in the United States. It was kind of interesting and different because, you know, this was the traditional list of Dolphin fans, Panther fans, uh, Marlin fans, supplemented by kind of the international uh, Broward County tourism and uh, development audiences as well. So you had the typical newspapers and the travel agents. But next year, it's going to be an entirely different because that 300-person dollar VIP area uh, was uh, fairly full for the men, but you knew it was rocking for the women the day before. Yeah, I bet. And that's a kind of, you know, that's a nice model because you do want a little bit of revenue off the event itself, right? Uh, off the, 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 the location of the event. You want, to, you want the buzz there because that does translate into user-generated content, user-generated video, um, people updating their social networks about how cool it is, and developing kind of a slow burn to virality uh, in, in the media sphere, right? Yeah. And, and, and the, the most important thing, I think, about this is that you took a tour that was going the other way and Red Bullized it, 
And again, one of four, it's going to be many more around the world. And if people think volleyball is a sport that is going downhill, I have news for you. It's very, very wrong. We'll follow the progress of this. And then next week, we focus on another international event and another international sport, which is tennis. Rick Harrell, speak with you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. The producer, Alex Cohn. Associate producers, Freddie Joyner and Ryan Warner. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, and Ronnie Sokatch, and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Rick Haro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.